When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 36 and 37 of The Dragon Reborn, Daughter of the Night, and Fires in Kyria. Enjoy! Welcome to season three, episode 14. This is going to be weird, guys, that we can see each other. But um, so something that's new for t- tonight, apparently Zencaster upgraded. and Now we can see each other when we talk. So um, hopefully I don't give out too many um, reactions. Of course, you guys can't see us, but we're looking right at each other. So um, I don't know if this records video, too. I- I- I'm still learning. We'll figure this out. But let's go into housekeeping. Patreon. There's none. Um, listeners, oh, we have more, um, but still no big milestones. Actually, no big milestones really anywhere. Um, so nothing really to report um, this this evening when it comes to any like social media or any big numbers we've hit. So we're still still getting close to some. Um, of course, I will let you guys know as soon as we do because we'll probably do a giveaway or something. But speaking of giveaways, um, none for right now. We just gave away, I guess it was like two weeks ago, a um, a Tumblr which was kind of cool. So uh, next month I'll be giving away again. It won't be on Twitter. Uh, it'll probably be on discord. I think I'm going to give away on discord. So you just have to be a member of our discord to be eligible to win this one. So um, yeah, if you haven't joined our discord, come join it. Um, and you is, might be is that going to be Tumblr again. No, I can tell you what it's going to be. Hold on. Okay. Uh, let me go to the spreadsheet. If you just bear oh, with, me. I was going to ask like, am I eligible since I'm on Discord? No, you're not eligible I, for anything. I, I want a Tumblr. <laughs> well, I'm going to buy a Tumblr then. Dad got it. Let's next month. Next month for Discord, we are giving away a a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, so hey, let's give away a t-shirt. Um, spring is coming eventually. We'll need those t-shirts. I mean, we had 60 degree weather here today. Yeah, it was nice. With another yeah. ice storm coming in a day and a half. <laughs> the weather's been crazy. Welcome have, to the I Atlantic. A, I have a lake in my backyard. So, because this has been raining for like two weeks straight here, we didn't get any snow here. We just got rain and lots of rain and more rain. <laughs> so, I was going to talk about my personal life, but yeah, we have lots of water out there. Before we get to personal life, a few other things. Um, location. Um, I've been doing that every single week. I want to keep on doing that just because I want to give a shout out to all our listeners from all the different places all around the world. And this one's uh, one that actually, I guess, somewhat surprised me just because I don't know anybody from there, uh, which is Pakistan. Um, sure. We have listeners in Pakistan. So thank you. Yeah. Keep listening to us. Appreciate you. We, yeah, appreciate you guys. So um, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, so just list out another country of people that listen to us. Uh, and yeah, um, as far as guests go, we do have a guest next week, guys. I didn't tell you guys this because I kind of want to make a surprise. <laughs> it's uh, uh, someone that we have all met before. It's going to be one of our patrons, Jake. It's going Woo! to join us yeah! next week. 
Jay, he hits us with all so, these questions uh, on Discord, so um, I'm glad you're having him on. Yeah, I think that'll be good. Yeah, that'll be, be fun. Good. Yeah, so Jake's going to come join us uh, and be a guest uh, next week. So, yeah, like I think we've mentioned this before, we've had a few patrons on before as guests. It is not an official perk of being a patron of ours, but it definitely can happen. Um, yeah, so two ways you can be a guest on our show. Either create your own content, YouTube or podcast, or give us money. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only two ways we'll let you on. So Arthur, side note. really, really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, Chris, you and I, to welcome Jake properly, we need to come up with, uh, I think we need to perform the Beauty and the Beast, uh, Be Our Guest. Be our guest, be our guest. I got you. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. We'll find Definitely. a way like to duet it, and we'll go we'll back and forth. We got this. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So excited. Yeah. Well, moving on to personal life. Um, couple of things going on besides all all the rain. Um, so lots of rain. Also, had my wife's birthday is on Valentine's Day, so we celebrated that last weekend. Um, they had a nice little. Date, we went out to uh, a really nice restaurant locally here in town and uh, had a lot of good food. And yeah, it was fun. Uh, had a good time. Um, so um, other than that, another major thing that's happening in my life is I'm replacing the AC unit in my house, uh, an air, a heating and air unit, which is never fun. Um, wow. It's old and it decided to freeze over and the motor broke on it. And I had a service technician come out and was like, yeah, to fix it. It's going to run you about $2,000. And then if it, and it might've broke something else, but we won't know until we fix this. And then it might charge you another $4,000. Like how much is a new unit? He's like $6,000. I was like, I'll take that one <laughs> with, a, with a warranty, please. <laughs> yeah, with the warranty. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a very old unit. We replaced the, we have two units in our house and we replaced the one unit. Uh, the first one that was even older, like three years ago. And this one's been a bar time. Cause it's, I think it's just, yeah, it's it's a really old old unit. So, so yeah. pulling so, yeah, so um, that's yeah. Oh no, yeah. It's it's it's, it's been horrible. Like it just it. I every it's been a couple of years now. Where we I look like I don't think it's gonna last this winter. I don't think it's gonna last in this winter. It finally, it finally bit the bucket. Uh, I've been sitting it for three years now and just kind of delaying it. Like, well, it's still working, so I'm not gonna replace it yet. It's time. So that's new in my life. That's been a lot of fun. Um. So I've had people at my house give me quotes and next Tuesday, next Tuesday during the day, um, I'm going to have people in my house all day long, putting in a new uh, heating air unit. So hopefully, yeah, be fun. That's it for me personally. What's going on with you guys? Uh, so <clears throat> let's see. I'll give a quick recap just in case you all didn't catch this on one of my other rants about online dating. <laughs> um. There was this girl I was kind of talking to, super cute, da da da, everything good. We set up a date, we we're gonna get together, set up this fancy restaurant, we we're gonna go. And then, like, the night before, I got a message from her that she wasn't feeling well, uh, thought it might be COVID. Everybody thinks everything's COVID these days. And so she had to cancel, which, you know, fine. But I was excited about going and going to that restaurant. So I called up a former co worker of mine that used to restaurant hop with me all the time. And we went, this former co worker happened to be a female. Uh, and you know, we're good friends and she actually, this former coworker, she's met friends and family of mine. So we posted on social media, like, eh, having a good time, few drinks, blah, 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 blah. Well, this girl that I was supposed to go on the date with that canceled cause she was sick. Uh, she was, she's a friend of mine on that social media platform and she saw it and she didn't put like a heart or a huggy heart thing or an LOL face. She did just the thumbs up like. 
And then I didn't hear from her for like five or six days. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit. She like, so one, she cancels on me. And then probably saw that I went out with some other girl that same night to the same place we're going to go to. Yeah. Hindsight. That was, I don't know, maybe a little shitty. I guess I can see why she's upset. Anyways, fast forward a week and, uh, I got a message from her. Well, a little over a week. I got a message from her yesterday. She was like, Hey, sorry, I've been MIA, blah, 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 blah. Do you got time to talk? Got on the phone with her. Fantastic conversation. Super cool girl. Like we didn't really get into the whole, whether she was upset about that. I just, I didn't want to bring it up and she didn't bring it up and the conversation was good. <laughs> so anyways, we're, we're going out this Saturday unless she gets sick again. I, don't know. I think this time if she gets sick that I'm not going to invite some other girl and then post to social media that we just did the exact same thing <laughs> we had planned. I'm not, I'm not going to do that part again. <laughs> so I'm still figuring this out, guys. I don't, I don't, if you haven't noticed, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So some of, some of the advice from Chad I'm getting right now is uh, stop, stop friending him on Facebook right away, dude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, that, that one was, that one was a slip up. Yeah. Um, they were, so we found out in early conversation that we were, we had two mutual friends, oh. uh, and then, well, I think she went to the mutual friend, saw me on there and added me. And then I was like, oh mm. shit. And I accepted that. Yeah. yeah. Well, then the I other agreed. advice that was, was definitely keep on adding them because it weeds out the jealousy early. So yeah. See, yeah. yeah. So I guess you could look at it either way. Yeah. It's uh, we're getting some, we're getting some. So if she, here's the thing, if she cancels this chat. weekend. Uh, if she cancels this weekend, I'm totally going to find some other girl <laughs> and I'm going to go do the, the bar crawl that we have scheduled and the top golf thing. And I'm posting pictures. Welcome to the Will Reed's love line. <laughs> yes. Delilah. By the way, Ian, I think we should. Uh, oh, I love Delilah after dark. Don't even get me started. I'm an old white woman in my heart. Anyway, <laughs> you should definitely address the elephant in the I've room. I've kissed her, by gets- the way. You- Delilah, you kissed Delilah, or the yeah, girl that I you took Delilah. Mm-hmm. on the cheek. Mm-hmm. Did you really? No, no, Delilah. Well, while I was downrange, I'm pretty sure I told the story. Yeah, and oh, I told I, I told her. Yeah, she came on a USO tour. It was her, uh, John Popper from Blues Traveler, and uh, the it was either the Patriots cheerleaders or the Saints cheerleaders because I traveled with both of them. I forget which one it was. Anyways. Uh, so I, I go to Delilah first and there's not many people going her line because, you know, the younger generation, maybe they don't know her as much. And I was like, my mom used to listen to you all the time when my dad was deployed every night. <laughs> That's you were a great pickup line. <laughs> like I, when, when I knew, right. When, when I saw that you were going to be here, like the jingle, like I've just been singing it in my head all day, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, you're so sweet. And we're talking. And so she leans over the table and she gives me a big fat kiss. And I kind of do the peck on the cheek as we're doing it. She's like, well, if there's anything I can do for you. And so I turned and I looked down the table with all the uh, the cheerleaders. And I was like, how well do you know them? And she's like, well, I've been traveling with them for a couple of weeks. I was like, well, if I if I could get a kiss from all them also, like, you're my hero. So I uh, got a kiss from Delilah and all of the cheerleaders down the row there. And everybody else that was all the other guys were lined up to talk to the cheerleaders. We're just standing there like, what the fuck? How do I, how do I, I'll pay for that. I, here's 20. I don't, how do we, how do we make that happen? So, and this yeah. is how the great ride of Baghdad began. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's, everything kind of fell apart after that. It's a lot of angry, ornery soldiers, but yeah. 
<laughs> nice. This but video Chris. is actually awesome because when he says, I love Delilah, <laughs> he started to keep talking. And under my breath, I was like, I, I kissed her. And then I could see the look on his face. He went, what? What? <laughs> what? Huh? So, Chris, what's going tell on with you? Uh, yes, tell me more. Tell me more. Anyway, uh, with me, you guys know, like, since July, I have had this back pain that just will not go away. Like, just whatever I do, no matter what I do, it'll go away for a few days and then hit me again. Hit me and hit me and hit me. Well, there's this thing called a yoga wheel. I discovered the yoga wheel, released all of my back pain in an hour. but. As it released the back pain, it pointed out my sciatic nerve issue. (laughs) So when I say my entire Mm. right leg from my hip down has been completely tingly and numb and keeping me awake for days, that's how my Valentine's Day went. I was with Chanel, which I did make it back down there, which was nice. And quite literally, I spent friday saturday sunday monday writhing in a weird type of pain that i just couldn't get over um so i spent an hour and a half at the chiropractor's office while she was stretching things out and moving things around and popping things and finally gave me relief enough to where i don't hurt anymore now i just have the you know the tingly feeling and tomorrow i get my first round of acupuncture so that'll be fun Ooh. <laughs> Wowza. Well, let me recorrect it. Dry needling. We can't call it acupuncture because she's oh. not an acupuncturist. Sure. Okay. So when uh so you went to the chiropractor, like is is the nature of it, I mean, is it is it something muscular or is it like a lower disc or I, I have my L four and L five are both compressed. Yeah. That's that happened back in college. I was under First time ever squatting, got under 450 pounds, and then did a good morning to come out of it. So Mm. all back Mm. and didn't realize I damaged my back. So kept on doing athletics and living my life. It hurt a lot, but I have a high tolerance for pain. Um, And I go to see this chiropractor and she's like, you know, you're only 6'5 when you should be 6'11 because you compress three discs in the back. Wow. You got rid of most of the cartilage in Mm. between somewhere in there and Got a, I always had arthritis, so there's that. But then, you know, with the L4 and L5 being compressed, that sciatic nerve is right there. And we have a family history of sciatica issue mm. anyway. And then, yes, I got very tight hips. I'm flexible one way, but not at all the other. So yeah, I can do an east to west split, it. but I can't do it north to south. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, if uh, you were a service member and went to the VA, they would look at all those scans, see how jacked up you are, and they'd go, nah, that's natural. Zero percent. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) No soup for you. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen, uh, what's the the movie, movie? Um, Across the Universe? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's it's a Beatles musical, but Mm -hmm. um, they had that one scene where I guess the hippie guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's trying to get out of the draft dodge. And he's interviewed with like the draft person. It's like, yeah, I'm an LSD drug using, cross dressing, transvestite. You know, goes through all these things that thinks he'll they'll like deny him. He goes, do you have flat feet? He's like, no. Why? Okay, approved. Good yeah, you're good. <laughs> 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 
Oh yeah. boy. She tries all the things to get out. Like, no. When they need you, yeah. they need you. And when they don't, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have I told you the story about the the guy my dad knew from Vietnam that tried to get out of it. Uh, he got drafted and tried to get out of it. Um because he got drafted to motor pool. So he figured if he gets his license taken away, they won't send him. So he went and tried to get as many traffic tickets as possible, like in one week. So every time he saw a cop, he'd run a stop sign or floor his car, or peel out like on purpose just to get tickets. And he racked up like 30 or some odd tickets or maybe, maybe 50 tickets. And they lumped them all together, put them in the courtroom. And his, uh, his officer or I guess recruiter showed up to the courtroom with them. And the judge just looks at him and goes, so um, when are you supposed to deploy to Vietnam? He's like, uh, next week, sir. And he goes, good so luck. I'm guessing you're, you're, I guess you're doing this to get out of it. He's like, no, sir. I just, uh, I'm a really bad driver. He goes, yeah, good luck in Vietnam. <laughs> dismissed all the charges. <laughs> dismissed. <laughs> dismissed all the charges. <laughs> Recruiter gives the judge a thumbs up and a wink. <laughs> dismissed all charges. Have fun. <laughs> you got a fat Grabbing another beer. We took too long to get started. Okay. That's fine. Um, so I'll go through predictions while Ian's grabbing a beer. Um, that's okay. Um, so predictions from last week, or from not last week, but from whenever. Landfear is great, which I wish Ian was here for that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we all know Ian loves Landfear. Um, Tom is going to die. That was something I can't remember. Chris, did you say that or did Ian say that? I can't remember. Ian had just said that Tom is never going to die. We're gonna see Tom. No, it couldn't have been okay. me. Was it Ian that made the prediction that Tom was going to die? One of you guys made the prediction that Tom's going to die. Uh, oh no, he's I, gonna die. I he's did. gonna die trying to save, no you and you and, and Chris made it said that he's gonna die saving Moraine on a white horse with doves yeah. flying in the air. I think we yeah, both touched was, on it like, on different. Oh, maybe that was me. That's that sounds like me. So yeah, those were predictions. Uh any predictions you guys want to kind of cover before we get in, or anything you guys I missed, or anything you guys want to talk about relating to these chapters that maybe predictions that you think came true or got wrong? I should leave that up to you guys too. So you guys know what you talked about sometimes. I should have read this down. There was at least one you were right. It'll, it'll come she up. Is land fear? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. We got well, that like one hundred percent confirmed now. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, we got the confirmation. So yeah. that's we got the confirmation. Ding, ding, ding. We'll sure. take it. We'll take that as a win. Sure. There was, <laughs> an, there was another somewhere. one, but it'll it'll come up as I'm as we as we go through it. I'll mention it. Okay. Let's right jump now. right into this. So we're going on to chapter thirty six, Daughter of the Night, which has the crescent moon with the stars symbol kind of land fears thing. And we start this chapter with a uh, parent going to search for his cabin. And apparently he didn't learn shit from walking on Marine naked. Cause he's just barging into every single cabin looking for his own cabin. And, uh, and everyone's like, he's like, Oh, Nope. Someone's sleeping there. Not mine. Nope. That one's not mine. <laughs> like he doesn't even care about hmm. privacy at all. Like <laughs> just going from door to door. Finally finds one that, uh, has loyal's in realize he's sharing a cabin with, uh, with our good old friend, loyal. Uh, and Loyal seems really eager to talk to Perrin about the days, but Perrin's like, I'm tired, dude. <laughs> so I, I think, I don't know if it's giving Perrin too much credit or not enough. Maybe he actually did learn from walking in on Moraine mm. and now he's just a creeper and he's like, well, I'm just going to accidentally walk in on people because that was so cool. I mean, how <laughs> else do you explain it? I get that he's tired, but come on. Knock on the door and wait for a response. (laughs) My five-year-old knows how to do that. Sure. So um, before we go to sleep, I mean, it's really quick, a couple sentences, but uh, before we go to a a dream sequence, 
Uh, anything from this opening scene you guys want to talk about? I mean, it's pretty clear cut. He's just looking for his place to sleep and goes to bed. I think you're right. I hope at some point. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I mean, it was simple. I just, I, I hope at some point someone sits down with Loyal and just lets him talk about his day. Just talk about the journey. Let him discuss the trees and all those happy things. It's like he keeps trying to bring up and, and draw people's attention to, you know, kind of that stop and smell the roses philosophy. Like you got to enjoy the journey you're on that sort of thing. And everybody just cuts him off all the time. No matter who he's with, he tries to talk about something and everybody cuts him off and ignores him. Poor guy. Yeah. And he's the one who maybe truly gets it. Maybe he's the only one who's actually appreciating everything that's going on. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the only thing that I'd like to maybe bring a little bit of attention to is the fact that Elias is brought back up. Like we haven't heard mm-hmm. nor seen our friend Elias in a while. And we see Perrin going through this simple frame of thought. Well, if Elias can learn to live with it, then maybe I can. Like he, but then he said, like he wanted to be that way. He accepted it. That was no solution. So Perrin really doesn't want to accept that idea. But then he makes a statement. If you had the bar stock to make a knife, you accept it and make a knife. Even if you mm-hmm. like an, a wood axe. So he's kind of going against his own nature as a simple creature in the sense that he's like, you know, if I got this little bit of metal, I know I can make this out of it. I'm going to go for it. And he wants more out of his life, which, you know, I think before in the beginning we kind of thought and definitely thought Perrin was dull, a little dense. Yeah. But as mm-hmm. we've come through these books, we've really seen the complexity from the big man that is really appreciated. So, yeah. It depends on how you read that because the whole, but if you have the bar stock to make a knife, you accept it and make a knife. Even if you'd like a wood ax, that's a fancy way of saying it is what it is. And we've all been doing this COVID lockdown stuff for a while. And you know, when you ask a coworker, be like, Hey, how's it going? And then they complain a little bit and they just stop. And then they sigh and they go, what you know, and it is what it is, man. Like that's, <laughs> That's one step away from living the dream. And at living the dream, you're supposed mm-hmm. to call for an intervention. So, yeah. you know, the dream. <laughs> maybe he's trying to be positive. I'm a little worried I at mean, this point. If, if if you go from living the dream to just know the day in paradise. Oh, gosh. No, <laughs> Straight to the heart. <laughs> when they clearly haven't shaven in like six weeks, like it is clearly not paradise. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah. Might so be worried about this sleep. guy. Yeah. So Farron goes to sleep and immediately he realizes it's not a normal dream. Um, and there's gray fog everywhere. And he sees his, he sees his good old friend that he's been terrified of actually, because last time he saw his friend Hopper, Hopper tried to like bite his juggler. And, um, but you know, Hopper shows up and he's nice this time. And, um, and Perrin knows that he doesn't mean any harm. Had this weird kind of woofy interaction with them. And Hopper's like, dude, follow me without saying, dude, follow me. Just kind of like, you know what you're supposed to do. Right. And and quietly, like the, yeah. the be quiet yeah. in body and mind mm-hmm. it wasn't said, but it was it was obvious. It was obvious. Yep. So 
Perrin puts his hand on Hopper's back and starts to fall. And the fog gets thicker and thicker to the point where he looks down. He can't even see his own chest. Like there's just so much fog everywhere. And after walking for a while, the mist just kind of uh, clears a little bit and he comes upon, but when he clears, the mist clears like his, I guess what, how they explain it. Like he has no body anymore. It's just kind of like, almost like they're like viewing through a, like he's just there. Just seen. He's just, he's just there. And looking down, like on this, from what I gather, this is how I feel at least. I don't know how it describes it, but like that he's up above looking down, kind of viewing this little meeting happening. And it's a bunch of like dark friends from all over the place. And they all kind of like are confused too. Like I was just dreaming. I'm in bed next to my wife. Why am I here? And they're all, they're all confused as well. Why they're, why they're there. Um, but they're all from different nations. So well, I, what do you guys think about all this before our, our good old friend comes back? Well, before going too much further, I want to kind of take a step back and, I find it very interesting that he finds so much solace in his acts. Though he hates killing, he finds so much comfort in it. And then the first thing he realizes he's lost in this dream was the actual acts. So I'm wondering like, what, what is it that that actually signifies or what's the significance of not having the acts? He lost the acts, but then he gained Hopper. So it's like maybe the axe is an extension of him as a wolf man or accepting of his power because he really doesn't use the axe until he really embraces his wolf-like frame of thought, frame of being. And then he just kind of loses himself in the battle. And so he loses the axe in the dream, but he gains the wolf, which I think that was really cool and slightly symbolic maybe. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was awesome that he gained a guide here, which he very much needed. You know, if he was going to keep tripping up and finding himself in this place, whatever this place is, and then I'm asking myself: Is this place the same place that Egwene is going, or is this some other plane that he's able to travel on and see between these worlds? Um, I don't know. That might be overcomplicated. Have different different ways, different planes. Maybe it's all the same. But where Egwene has her wing, her ring, uh, Perrin has his hopper that somehow exists there and is is willing to guide him along. Uh, it start. It's still confusing. It still raises a lot of questions. But I'm getting more clarity, more understanding of these experiences than when we first stumbled into dream sequences early in eye of the world. Like they were just total chaos and made absolutely no sense. Um, I don't know that starting to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. And then as all these dark friends are gathered around, all of a sudden our, our good friend shows back up the guy that has a hurt chest now because he took a sword to the chest. What an end of last book. Good friend got ballsy. <laughs> um, yeah, he shows up uh, and starts to get really upset with, uh, you know, at least one of the guys. Like kills, he kills one of the guys uh, for letting the boy escape Tar- Tarvalon um, and kind of turns to the rest of them, gives them orders, and they all leave. But that's kind of the next scene. So what do you guys think about Balsamon? Has he been back yet, this book, since the end of last book? Have they hinted to him, you know? Mm. He's been talked about. 
Man, you're asking me. Really yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Has he been? Here? Yeah, but he's back here, so he's definitely still alive. I think he popped up once. Now he's here. He's kicking. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's yeah. And what do you think about this whole interaction? Well, I think it's interesting that people like have the audacity to question him. It's like, great lord, where is this place? And they're like, yeah, we we were sleeping Tarvalon, great lord. Like, I am asleep. Where is this place? Have I gone mad? So I, I'm wondering, because when we have seen him, it's been in the dreamscape, honestly. Um, we haven't really seen him much in the physical world, but it seems like these people have come across him in the physical world, and now they're just seeing him for the first time in the dreamscape. So I want to know what he's been doing up until this point in the physical world, like who he's been chasing, what he's been, who he's been after. Like, is he the one hunting down? Rand, like that, that came to my mind initially, just out of pure curiosity. And then, you know, the one like is in tears. He's like, he's clearly has people planted in places where he knows that our crew is, or it will end up. So he, he has a really good idea of what their motives are even without being in any real contact with them. So I just want to know what he knows mm-hmm. that the rest of us don't. So I, yeah. I was thinking that these folks were our dark friend social people or something similar to that. Cause it, unless if I remember wrong, correct me, but at the end of the dark friend social, it was kind of like their mind was kind of wiped of the experience. Like they remembered their mission, but not necessarily everything that happened there. Yeah, they all, they all got individual orders too, which like right. they couldn't hear the other person. It was like very, very controlled. Like, so I don't know if necessarily white, but definitely the, the entire experience was controlled. Right, right. So I, I guess that would make sense to me why when they were drawn back in here, and this is kind of like a, you know, Among Us emergency meeting, Ballsy slaps the button, <laughs> emergency meeting, everybody comes in. They're all in the chat room, naked guys like WTF, I'm naked, I'm supposed to be sleeping. The other one's like, I'm naked too, I'm also sleeping. We're, we're all sleeping, what the hell? <laughs> and then Ballsy speaks up and it was like, it was blue, he's sus and kills blue, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so, but like, no they, he's just like the ultimate. <laughs> right. So, like, they would all have uh, knowledge of what their individual tasks were and their loyalty to the Dark One. Or, or ballsy from the experience they had. But uh, if, if I remember the end of the dark friend social correctly, like their memory of everything that happened there is probably a little fuzzy. That's why they're acting all like, Hey, what, what the heck's going on? Where, where am I sort of thing? Yeah. And in this next scene, we get to um, the dark friends leave to go about their orders. And a woman shows up uh, who we recognize this woman right away um, as Ian's girlfriend. Our fiance, fiance. It's my fiance. My <laughs> fiance. <laughs> um, what would I do without my fiance? <laughs> and, and this is actually the first time I think, uh, and you might, you guys could correct me. I know you guys predicted this way early in advance, but for the first book at least, Balsamon puts himself out as the great Lord of the Dark. And even when Rand thinks he kills him in the eye of the world, um, he thinks he killed the Dark One, and Moraine's like, no, you didn't. Um, and then <laughs> even at the end of The Great Hunt, he's like, I killed him again. He's like, no, you didn't. Um, <laughs> Um, but here's the first time where we realize that he's not because they've referenced the great Lord of the dark, uh, the dark yeah. one. Um, 
completely as a separate individual. Um, you know, they have this interchange where they're both surprised. Like, why are you here? Why are you in my domain? Since when is it your domain? You know, (laughs) they have this, and you realize also, so first of all, I I guess, you know, Lanfear is a forsaken. Beelzebub's not a named forsaken, but do you think he is one of the forsaken or what do you guys think? Whether so. All right. It's all about perspective. Who gives the label Forsaken? That came from not the Dark Friends. Like, did the Dark, did, did the Forsaken go around calling themselves Forsaken? Or have they taken on that name because that's what they were called by other people? You almost, you almost made me spoil, get a spoiler. Oh, shit. <laughs> I talked too fast. Yeah, I came so close. I was like, no, they're called, uh, never mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So maybe that answers my question a little bit. They probably have a different name for themselves. And then, so if they think of themselves differently, then it's possible that the people that gave the label Forsaken don't know everybody and all the players and how they're connected. Because, obviously, I mean, the perfect uh, case in point is, excuse me, the suds, man, they get you. Um, Mm -hmm. Early on, everybody assuming that Ballsy is the dark one. And mm-hmm. and we've kind of thought as we've moved along that maybe he isn't. He's just another player working for him or working his own angle. But now we kind of know, all right, Ballsy's not the dark one. So clearly our people that came up with the label Forsaken or use that label, they don't know everything. They don't understand the dark one structure and all the people that right. work for him. So And and I found this in, this, this interchange really interesting as well because it, it – I don't know if you got this your first read, but I definitely did that. They're definitely not working together. Um, no, they not might be all. working for the same purpose. Yeah, not at all. And they're kind of testing each other. Like, do you not serve the great Lord anymore? And like, what do you mean? Of course I do. My plan's going to work. Your plan's not like, and, and you definitely see this. Um, well, I, I think like when we looked at the, the first two um, forsaken back in, in book one, Agnor and Bafamu. Yeah, I mean, their conversation was like, yeah, we serve the Dark One, but now we're free to kind of do our own thing. So they're, yeah. they kind of feel empowered to reach the conclusion they want their own way and put themselves in a greater position of power. So I think yeah. like the mm-hmm. the Dark One, or the Great Lord of the Dark, has kind of lost his hold on them being that he's locked up and they are not. So they're trying to position themselves so that when he is able to come back and take reign, they're at least higher on the pecking order. Yeah. Or may- yeah. maybe he's just more of a shyster than that. Maybe he's strategically letting his lieutenants, if you will, f- you know, go about this their own way and kind of battle each other. And it's like, let the best man win. And, you know, Whoever wins out, I'm, as long as they're still I'm, serving me, like I win. Like, just evil is hard to. Yeah, we've talked I'm, about I'm chaotic evil before. If there's chaotic evil, it's just by the nature impossible to predict. It's not going to make sense by our yeah. standards. And I'm trying to remember what what mythology it is, or maybe what where it comes from. But they're, def- they're I can't remember what whether it's Greek or Roman or maybe something completely different. I'm just kind of mixing things up where. Whether it was Zeus or, or or maybe even another god would have their lower gods compete with each other to, and he 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 perpetuated it. Um, and I'm not sure if that's Greek, but it it, it might be. I think that another, might have been a Zeus just, thing. 
That sounds it might have been or it could have been Indian gods, um, you know, Shiva. And I, like I said, I, I don't know which that there is a religious structure where that happens. And I can't remember which one it is. So shame on me for not remembering my religious studies as well. But uh, <laughs> power of editing yeah, tomorrow, you can do your research and just put a clip in here and be like, wait a minute, I do remember. And then read from your <laughs> read from your notes. notes. <laughs> and it was. Uh, yeah, but there I mean, but it's definitely a recurring theme also in other um, other uh, whether it's uh, fictional works as well. I mean, you think even back to, you know, um, whether it's the Sith and Star Wars and things like that, oh, yeah. where um, definitely there's uh, they perpetuate fighting. Uh, amongst the lower people on who they, you know, they, they perpetuate it. They, they, they want that to happen to make a stronger subservient. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, especially but, if but you is, get into, it's a common theme, right? Especially when you get into um, some of the books, some of the comics, clone Wars, stuff like that. In the movies mm-hmm. would hit the big screen. You always just see, uh, there's just two, uh, you know, master and apprentice. That's it. And when one dies, you just kind of fill the gap. But there's more going on on the old Sith side, and there's definitely competition and people vying for power and trying to one-up each other and gain favor of the Sith Lord. And then even at some point trying to, you know, kill them to take it over entirely by themselves. Yeah. Darth Maul, for those of y'all that follow that Star Wars line. He went that route. Yeah, our Ventress, our DQ, or whatever. I think it's yeah. interesting too, though, how um, Balzi here, Balzaman, uses people and manipulates and controls them. And then you have Lanfear, who seems to kind of be on her own. Yeah. Like, what? I want to know the why. Like, why is she kind of being the rogue person? What is her angle for real? She has contempt for Ballsy. She gives she him does. shit for acting like an Aes Sedai. The way mm-hmm. over 3,000 years you just try to manipulate, put people against each other, and, and the way he goes about it, like you said, manipulating people over time is, a, a, it's a, from her perspective, it's an Aes Sedai thing. That's something they would do. And I get the feeling that from, from her perspective, by her saying that, by her using that as an insult towards them, she thinks... Well, not only does she act differently, but she thinks her way of going about things and influencing people and trying to make what she wants come to happen is superior to his strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got. I definitely. And they both, they both think they're yeah, and they both think they're better than each other. I mean, it's very obvious. Well, I love her lines. Like I have served the Lord of Twilight long, long before I lie imprisoned for my service in an endless, dreamless sleep. Only gray men and Mitchell are denied dreams. Even Trolloc can dream. Dreams were always mine to use and walk. Now I am free again, and I will use what is mine. I wonder mm-hmm. if that Terra Angrial that um, Egwene is carrying mm-hmm. around belongs to mm-hmm. Lanfear. Interesting. Like, yeah, I sure. like it. At some point, <laughs> right? Like that hit me. Yeah, you should. Like that hit me. I was like, that's that would make perfect sense. And then because she feels like she has like command over the dreamscape. Like maybe she was one of the original dreamwalkers or what do they call themselves? You know, dreamwalkers. So Uh, maybe she was, like you said, was she the first to be able to travel it 
as as a human, I guess maybe the wolves were always able to. But yeah, yeah. If so, and as old as she is, as long as she's been around, maybe yeah. maybe she created the ring. Yeah, maybe not just first to find it and use it. She might have created it herself. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, after this whole interchange, they they leave, and Hopper leads Perrin away. Uh, Perrin's confused about what he just saw. Um, and has a lot of questions, but Hopper doesn't seem to want to answer any of them. Um, but the main question Perrin wants to know is, was it real? And <laughs> Hopper doesn't answer it. <laughs> you know, Perrin's like, was that real? Did it really happen? Did these, you know. And Perrin's kind of freaking out about it because he's he's ran into um, our friend Lanfear before. And I guess this is his first realization that that was, you know, oh, wait, I've been meeting with the Forsaken. That's not good. Um, so Perrin's, Perrin's definitely freaked out by all this. I got to say real quick, slight correction, not that it really helps us, but when he says, was it real, Hopper's thought response was, all is real, what is seen and what is not seen. So he does respond, but not like in a way that really... Meaningfully. It's yeah, not meaningful it's still, at the moment. It's not I, tangible I, for us as a reader to truly understand the level of how real it is. Yeah, because I mean, it's clearly there is um, dissonance amongst the Forsaken. Um, clearly, there are mm-hmm. more than just those that we see as the Forsaken. If for Sam Bialsamon is not a Forsaken, uh, but Landfear does not serve him, does that mean they're on equal standards? Or, you know, so what defines a Forsaken versus just a follower of the Great Lord of Darkness or of the Dark, whatever? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, we know there's 13 Forsaken because they have said that before. There's 13 Forsaken, and then there's tons of what they call Dread Lords, which are just people that can channel that are dark friends. Yeah, so like, um, what distinguishes them and what makes Beelzebub any greater? If he's a Dread Lord and not a Forsaken, what makes him more distinguishable than other Dread Lords? So, or is he a Forsaken? Or is he? <laughs> that, that's that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I, that. I feel like every time we've been introduced to a Forsaken, it's kind of like noted that they're Forsaken. So mm-hmm. maybe Bialzaman was one of the, maybe the Forsaken had to have been like, oh, I don't know. You can't say Dark Aes Sedai because like that's not really a thing. But yeah. Uh, I mean, there's Black Aja. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Dark Aes Sedai. Maybe they were all Black Aja. But Lanfear clearly okay. hates the term Aes Sedai, so... Aes Sedai. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes me wonder. I don't know. I'm, I'm just as confused yeah. today as I was when we started this over a year ago, so... <laughs> Am I the only one that looks at conflict between characters like this, like a, through the eyes of a five-year-old? Like, I'm sitting on my living room carpet floor here with my Hot Wheels lined up, and I'm ready to send these two down the racetrack, Lanfear versus, versus Ballsy, one-on-one. If they went at it, who's going to win? Mm-hmm. I know it's early on. We got a little taste of what Ballsy can do. But see, here's the thing. Like in every, as of right now, where they're at right now and with their abilities, Ballsy versus Ran, Ran's, Ran smoked him twice. But I have yeah. a feeling if Lanfear and Ran went up against each other, I think Lanfear would whoop Ran's ass. So by the, I don't know, is that the commutative property? Doesn't that mean Landfear should be able to whoop the shit out of Ballsy? Well, maybe. <laughs> ah, just, maybe. Yeah. I'd like to see him yeah. go at it. 
Yeah. We'll see. Maybe. I'll jump in and be like, Ballsy, you better get your hands off my fiance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, they go away. Um, Hopper, uh, a moment later, um, uh, parent becomes aware that she, he's in another, another place and he's and Rand's there and Rand's being hunted by Merdral and dark friends. And, and Rand's just using the one power. just killing them all. Just like shooting fireballs and, Finger blasting. Finger, yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 he's basically Tim the Enchanter, just like blowing <laughs> things up. <with> his, <laughs> have you ever seen Holy Grail? Non-stop. <laughs> they call Love me it. Tim. Um, yeah, and uh, Rand kills them all, but Parent sees more Shadow Spawn approaching him, and he tries to warn Rand. He's like, Rand, watch out. And and Rand turns on Parent and shoots um something at parent i guess it, well, i can't remember how they explain it um, but it's a, one laser. <laughs> a laser beam. so did ran did ran finger blast parent a little bit he tried to <laughs> he, he definitely but parent wakes up immediately Yikes. yeah yeah well i i bet he would kind of kind of hard <laughs> to sleep through that <laughs> so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of this time I went camping uh, with Alan and brought a two-person youth tent. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about uh, that night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Trust me, that will wake you up. <laughs> uh, 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 check the oil real fast. That's uh, right. <laughs> hey, buddy, you okay? <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So yep. Perrin wakes up with lots of pain. Uh, but the pain fades away, but uh, Perrin notices there's still a small burn on his chest. So whatever hit him did some kind of damage, or at least has a lingering pain. It's kind of interesting. Like, made him crawl into himself almost. That's how I kind of see him. It's like he had to force his knotted muscles to let him straighten his legs and lie flat in the dark cabin. So it's like, you know, when you kill a, a spider, it like shrinks up on itself. And all yeah. its legs kind of fold up in the air and, you know, or like when the Crucio mm-hmm. curse is done on a person. That's what it was. Yeah. Crucio from Harry okay. Potter. Oof. It was performed on mm. Perrin. So I, I just, I yeah. can imagine, I wonder why he wasn't killed. Like Ram was throwing kill shots. So did he just make it out just yeah. in time or... Is he a little bit more resistant to the 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 one power? Uh, you know, because whatever happens in the dream happens in real life. So I was a little concerned right. too right. when it said his uh, eyes were se- like burning, parents' eyes, pain Seriously. searing everything. Like I thought maybe he had blinded him or something. I was just you know a little concerned for my boy Parent there for a minute. Hmm. Blinded by the light. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I yeah. so I didn't really make note of that, but like, um, I I did consider that like probably what saved Perrin was his the fact that he wasn't aggressively pursuing Rand, and he was able to transition out of that dream space. Like he wasn't truly there. He had kind of traveled there. In this dreamy, spacey place. So, like, as he was getting hit, he was able to transition out, so he didn't take the full blow of it. That's that's kind of where my mind went. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then as soon as he wakes up, he wants to go talk to Moraine about his dreams. And goes to talk to her. 
And she's like, this, by the way, is this like the second example now where we've had good communication? Now I I know he withholds a little bit. uh, Yeah. But yeah, this might be, but this, this might be the most significant though, (laughs) but I think it's happened one other time where somebody actually told somebody else what's going on, but this was, and probably good timing. I think again, if, we would have had a character go through something like this and then go run into Moraine or somebody else that could really help us out. And you just get their thoughts inside their head going, I'd really like to tell them, but I'm scared to at this point, I'd really start getting pissed off. So it's nice. I'm sure we'll run into it some more, but it's nice that Jordan's slowly starting to let stuff spill over. And this was perfect. And her response gave us nothing. And she's such a jerk. However, it's still really good and suspenseful and it was good. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Her, her response is like, oh, well, yeah. Your dreams enough would be for Red Asha to try to gentle you. <laughs> so, oh, no, don't worry. I know you can't use the one power and you probably never can. will be able to. But the Red Asha would definitely try to. <laughs> <laughs> but by saying that, I'm not saying you'll ever wield the power. He's, well, thank you very much, he said bitterly. You didn't have to scare me to death just to tell me there was no need to be frightened. I didn't say there's no need to be frightened. <laughs> There's a, yeah, they probably still kill you along the way while trying to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, rat farts. <laughs> Why? So here's Double here's my farts. other thought. Like we have again a man who is doing something that we've noted multiple women doing, which is traveling the dreams. And the only other man that we've right. really seen actively travel the dreams, there's only two, is Bialzaman and Rand. Like to actively right. be able to go in between different dreams and go into different people's headspace. So I think that's the distinction that she's made. Is mm-hmm. and of course we know he's being led by the wolves. So right. it's old ancient magic that they don't even completely and- understand. Right. And Tarvalon has some stuff about wolf dreams. You know, they've had some research on that and she mentions that, but she's like, this is nothing like anything Tarvalon knows about. So I'm, yeah. I'm not an expert. I don't know much. You're on your own, buddy. And I think the other yeah. thing is he's careful who finds in, out. <laughs> he's yeah. seeing in the minds of, because this isn't a dream for Bialzaman. It's not a dream for Lanfear. They may be in the dreamscape, but they're in complete and total control. And he's seeing right. into their minds without them knowing. Like they yeah. didn't know he was there. Right. Yeah. This, and that's why I said I used the word like traveling on a different plane and having a guide and Hopper being the guide. Because remember, Hopper in the physical world is dead, but still exists on this plane. I won't call it like a spiritual thing, but it's a a not physical world. And Hopper not only exists there, but all of the wolves of all times do, and he's kind of linked to them. So there, he never would have been able to accomplish that and see what he needed to see without Hopper's help. And it was mm-hmm. Hopper being able to guide him into this. Yeah, gosh, I'm not even smart enough to come up with the words, but into this misty shield type gray space where. He's there and able to watch like Ghost of Christmas Past, but not interact, you know, I guess this would be Christmas present, but, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. And this next thing, it just made me laugh too, just because Moraine, being Moraine, um, Perrin then asks if she can heal his burn. And she's like, I could, 
but I'm not. Uh, Why don't you sit there as a reminder <laughs> to be careful? <laughs> well, first it's uh, like, oh, so now you don't mind. I oh, yeah, exactly. You oh, so now we see what the deal is. You get a little fingered, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you don't want to feel it anymore. <laughs> no, this uh, this is a control issue with Moraine. Um, because you got to think about it, not just because she's an Aes Sedai, and Aes Sedai, generally, the way they act and carry themselves, they're pretty full, full of themselves, and wherever they go, they're well-respected, and um, at least that, you know, people as- assume that they're in charge and know what the heck they're doing. But Moraine is in a space right now where a lot is happening that she knows nothing about, or, or mm-hmm. we're assuming that. You know, she says, we don't know a whole lot about this wolf stuff, so, yeah, what you're telling me is very unexpected. I didn't really think all that was going to happen. Like, there's just all this new territory. And the way she explains it to Perrin about, hey, you know, you got to be careful who you tell because there's a whole lot of women out there. If they found out, if these Aja found out, they w- they'd kill you. Not just the red, but there's a lot of them that'd be like, whoa, what, what's going on here? Shackle him up. Let's gentle this guy. So that's the way she's been trained, taught everything. But at some point when she decided to go down this journey and to go down this path, she obviously made a commitment to follow it to the end with an understanding that shit's going to happen along the way that she didn't see coming. There's going to be curveballs left and right, you know? And this is one of those moments. It's mm-hmm. like, this is new, unexpected, something outside of the realm of what I can control. I'm used to being able to control stuff. Now I have this opportunity to choose. Now I have the power to choose to heal or not to heal. I'm going to exercise that power and not do it just to show that I'm mm-hmm. still in control of something. Yeah, but I, I think it's also good because, I mean, parent does need to be careful. So, yeah, Moraine is the one to teach <laughs> any of these kids about being careful. I like. Let's go back to the beginning to Nynaeve's problem with Moraine. Yeah. Moraine is the problem. If Moraine never showed up, it wouldn't be. I mean, I guess we've seen all the different flickers. There'd be issues, sure. But there was a there yeah. was a flicker where, you know, Egwene and Ran were relatively happy. You know, had kids. Yeah, but he went ma- he went mad, and the world yeah. the world fell. Oh yeah, and 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 in this rap, the he's destroyed. but he's not he's not going <laughs> mad now. So you know, well, that's true. They kids no, not at all. Everything's so, fine so. now. I find it very interesting the answer. You don't know which questions to ask, and you would comprehend less than half the answers if I gave them, which I will not. That's and a that Bilbo was, Baggins line. Exactly. That's how I felt about it. It was like, I'm much more wise than you, but is she really? Was it a cop out? Or is she like, I, I can think of a million and a half other questions, not literally, but I can think of quite a few that he didn't ask. Like, what's the significance of land fear and Bialzaman having it out what's the significance of the the darkness that surrounds Bialzaman if he's not like the lord of darkness what's the significance of her claiming the dream or the dream area what's the significance of him being able to see when they don't know he's there what was the significance of all of the mirrors did the mirrors like kind of disappear when land fear came like is that like there, there are so many things like I started thinking about as I was kind of digesting this. It's like you know, if if all the wolves that were and are will be are in this realm, then if he connected with them, would he have more information? Would he have more answers? 
um you know will that occur <clears throat> will he tap into the power of the wolves and that ancient power and really learn more to help guide the whole crew as to what they need to do um will he and um Egwene end up kind of crossing powers and in, in, in finding a greater understanding and things there's so many ways that you can really think about all this that her statement really just kind of well she's right but what does she really know <laughs> yeah. so so one the, the line that I, I know it doesn't mean the same thing but just the way it's written made me think of it uh was at the party um when bilbo was getting ready to dip out i guess it was his birthday or whatever and he mm-hmm. says uh i don't know half of you half as well as I should like. And I like less than half of you, half as well as you deserve. It's like one of those very convoluted, like, wait a minute, what, what the hell did you just say? It's so like, that kind of compliment. Yeah. Right. Maybe not even bad. Oh, did like, you insult uh, me or like, are we or friends? I don't know. I, I don't know what just happened. Do I hug you or slap you now? I don't know. <laughs> um, but then the truth, the truth of the matter is, uh, Alan, you could definitely, you have more experience on, the longer journeys, but I've even done coastal hopping, which is a little more similar to what they're doing right now, you know, a couple days to a week tops. Uh, but even in that mm-hmm. type of sailing, even with I Sedai guiding the wind to hit your sails perfectly, you know what you have a lot of time or a lot of, excuse me, time. <laughs> like there's time. If there's a lot of stories to tell, if there's background to give, eh, sitting on a boat, that was a perfect time. Moraine could fill him in on whatever she wanted to. She just still chooses right. not to. And she's given him this BS excuse. Like, yeah. And the final thing that Perrin brings up is he wants to know about this, this girl, Zareen that he's met. And, uh, and Marine goes, Marine goes, her name's Zareen. Like I said, that's a Sedalian, Saldean name. Um, and it means, uh, you know, her mother must apparently thought she'd be a heartbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heartbreaker. And, 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 and Perrin does not like this answer at all, apparently. <laughs> Son of a gun. <laughs> if only Rand was here, he wouldn't know what to do. I'm surprised we didn't get that line, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, it's also... funny because it says it's one to lie on cushions and palaces surrounded by servants and suitors. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you have another reason to be careful, Perrin. If there is a Serene as a passenger with us. So <laughs> I like I'm gonna go back to the whole yeah, maybe it represents two women, but then also maybe it represents two different nations. Okay. Because maybe like Zareen is a foreign princess who decides she wants to go on a grand adventure and do other things rather than, you know, be queen one day. And then he finds another princess to fight after him. And then we got okay. two nations. You know, he gets to choose his, his pick. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of keep riding that thought out now that that statement was made by Moraine. So if I yield as a princess? Yeah, why not? I mean, okay. like I said, when we originally heard about the, the, the hawk and the falcon fighting for him, I was like, well, maybe he or is is in between two princesses or something or two nations. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe this helps to solidify that a little bit. 
Yeah. And at this point, Perrin leaves, go on deck to think things over, and we switch characters. So before we switch, anything else that we missed or anything? She was already waiting there watching him. Yeah, well, not was. just that, but Perrin <laughs> missed a great opportunity to make a Mandarb joke. When he, <laughs> when he comes out, it's Lan looking over Mandarb and Zareen sitting there in a coil of rope. Like, yep. Perrin, Perrin's a better dude than me because I'd have been like, I'd, I'd have walked up to Lan and be like, oh, Mandarb is such a beautiful horse. <laughs> let me pet mandarb the horse and land of course would look confused and then she would look all embarrassed and throw something at me and run away and yeah, yeah. and then as she ran away i'd be like <laughs> horse person and i have no idea why i'm having issues in the dating world i just dating. don't i don't <laughs> what's the what's not to like i'm freaking hilarious <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's go to Rand. Um, so Rand wakes up. He's just been fighting in his dreams, dark friends, and he realized he nearly killed Perrin. He's like, oh, my God, was that actually Perrin? I need to be more careful. Um, you know, I, I think that might have actually been Perrin. Thoughts. Like, <laughs> crap. Shoot first, ask um, questions later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that's his first thought. And, um, you know, the, coal, uh, the fires died down to coals at this point, so he goes back to start trying to – um, rebuild the fire. So anything about that initial reaction from you guys before we get our, our next group of characters that show up? What is unique about Perrin meeting him there and him eventually going, holy shit, wait, that was Perrin. What's unique about that versus when it was Egwene and he tried to kill Egwene and I don't think there was a moment where he was like, wait a minute, that was Egwene. Right. Like what? Well, I, think I didn't pick up on anything. Like, help. Well, whereas Egwene was trying just to talk to Rand, which that could have been a, a disguise. Perrin was just yelling like, dude, watch out. Like it wasn't like a, Egwene was trying to come nice. Whereas Perrin was panicked trying to help him. So like, I guess when he woke up, he was bro, like, wait a second. Yeah. Like, like, wait a second. He wasn't coming at me just to like be fake Perrin. Like that might've actually been Perrin. Cause he was trying to help me. Like, okay. maybe that's, because where Gwaine came, like she tried to talk nice to him. Like I don't know. Hey, she Rand, said some like, wool headed stuff, didn't she? She, she did. drops that wool headed line. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, I kinda went she along did. the same lines as you earlier, like the whole idea of them being on different planes. And like maybe yeah. Rand recognized that there was just something off about Perrin that he didn't realize about a Gwaine. It's almost like a Gwaine is directly entering into their dream. That's where Perrin was like the omnipresent individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's part of my, yeah. Again, not yeah. an answer, but part of my question going back to before, like, are they traveling the same way or is there something different about the way they travel? I just think it's so interesting yeah. how committed to the battle Rand is in his dream. Well, he's in full defense mode right now. Everybody's out to get him. And oh, we're about to get, get into that. Some rest. Yeah, well, apparently not much because right as soon as he wakes up, he goes to build his fire and a group of travelers show up and the women, uh, the one girl there gets off her horse and talks to him first. And it's like, hey, uh, no, she guys can't fire here. Can I come join? Yeah, and I, I kind of like camping here also. That's kind of a <laughs> it's a good spot. It's got some good resources <laughs> like, nearby, Bobo. Sure. And, uh, you know, 
So if you don't mind, we'll <laughs> hang out. You know, Rand could have said, I do mind, and then see how she oh. reacts. Like, I do mind, move along. And maybe she goes, okay, he and then move along. <laughs> he nope. just lops her head off. It's like her guards are already dismounting, (laughs) hitching at their sword belts and loosening saddle girths. Like they were literally just looking to sit down and they knew they had him out in numbers. So he just sees threats everywhere. Even in this instance, like she was kind of like, just, Hey, I've often used this on my way to Rimmon. So Mm -hmm. it really, it surprised me when it was like, Thistledown floats on the whirlwind. Heron Mark Blaine car Heron Mark sorry, I can't even say it now. Heron Mark Blade card from fire coming into his hands to take her head off before surprise could even form on her face. She was the most dangerous. But how did he is there anything? Where did he change his danger? So I I know we found we found out before that he's been approached. (laughs) Yeah. He's been approached by yeah. uh, variations of people that he's known and trusted all throughout his life that turned out it wasn't them. It was the dark one. It was somebody trying to manipulate him like men came after him and yada, yada, yada. So he's at the point now where he's like, absolutely trust nothing. Anybody that approaches me, anybody that comes near me, talks to me, gets in my bubble, I'm just going to assume that they're here to hurt me. And I I mentioned this to Alan. We had a little bit of time to kill. We were waiting to get started today. Uh, And almost for the whole first book, for sure, maybe most of the second book, I complained a lot. I'm like, Rand, what an asshole. What a horrible. This is like the worst leading character I've ever followed. What a jerk. Doesn't communicate. Shitty to his friends. Like, just what a wuss. Like, everything about him, I'm like, get away from me. I wouldn't hang out with you. And now, (laughs) now that he's at the point where uh, people just sit down next to him and he lops their head off and kills them all, like, I feel the urge to go give that dude a hug. Like, (laughs) I feel feel bad for him. Like, he has, like I said, there's no one he can trust. And there's no way he can know who we can trust because he might be being deceived. He can't sleep well. Because even when he sleeps, he gets caught up in these dreams that are all sorts of screwed up. Like, he's just, he is all by himself. He's all by himself with everything and everyone around him trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. This dude needs a hug. Can I just say, though, the artistry of it. The guards yell and clawed for their swords, screamed as they realized his blade burned. He danced amongst them in the forms Lan had taught him, and he knew he could have killed all ten with ordinary steel, but the blade he wielded was part of him. The last man fell, and it had been so like practicing the forms that he had already begun the sheathing called holding the fan before he remembered he wore no scarab, and the blade would have turned it to ash at a touch if he had. What happened to the sword first and foremost? The actual Heron Mark blade. It 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 melted. Yeah, it got ha- uh, half half melted it, in Ballsy. Yeah, when he stabbed okay. it into Ballsy at the, integrate, at the great hunt in the great sky. Yeah, it melted. Yeah, but now he's like forming the blade with the power at will. Yeah. Yep, and it's not a true right. blade, and he's and he's doing the dance, yeah, which is very fire. Aiel of him. 
I will say, like, it really, like, it caught my attention. We've only seen him, like, in glimpses here and there. But it, at first, like, in the beginning of the book even, he didn't have control of the power at will. And now no, he... not at all. He didn't even know he could use the power. And now he's just, now like, flame on. Yeah. Finger blast. And going berserker. And finger blast. And it's like Yu Hakusho mixed with... Yeah, exactly. Yu Hakusho, if you haven't looked it up, you need to. Yeah. It reminds me of that. I think he's had a lot of time. I think he's had a lot of time to himself and just working things out. Exactly. Figuring stuff out. But yeah, so kills, you know, 10 people. Um, and then... So what you're saying is power and- if you spend too much time by yourself, like a lot of time by yourself, that leads to finger blasting. Um, Pretty yes. sure that's what you said. <laughs> it's definitely so. worse that I can um. see you now. Because <laughs> you were doing, you had one of those moments where you were like, I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't, I don't know what to do with my hand. I'm just gonna let it float here and say yes, but the way it was floating was yes, <laughs> risque. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, so, so yeah. So um, uh, oh, he, he takes all the corpses, lifts them up, and kneel, makes them all kneel. I was just about to say that if I am the dragon, that is the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? Letting go of Sidene was hard, but he did. If I hold it too much, how will I keep the madness away? He laughed bitterly. Or is it too late for that? He literally like had them all, all these corpses bowing. They're on one knee to him, like kneeling. Yeah, kneeling to kneeling. him. Kneeling. And it was crazy is like he chopped her head off and she was still standing, like holding yep. the reins of the horse. Like, that's badass. I'm sorry, as disgusting as it may be. <laughs> and as messed up as Rand has to be in the head right now to do something like that. Bruh, she was still holding on to the yeah. horse. Like he he earned a horse <laughs> off of this. Yeah. And he's but the surprising part him. is he counted killing ten people, but then when he looked at all the dead people lined up, there was an eleventh man without any armor holding a dagger. And he just looks at him and says, You chose the wrong company. Who's the eleventh guy? Shadow Spawn. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be a gray man. Yeah. So it never actually confirms that, but the, well, actually in the book, but it does in the, in the encyclopedia or yeah. the, 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 the companion. Because um, they're the ones that just go unnoticed. Like he didn't notice them until he already killed them. Yeah. And, and if you flash forward yeah. to the next chapter, we dabble into when Egwene has her, holy shit, it's a shadow spawn that's chasing Matt. And then you think about what, mm-hmm. what Matt's run into yeah. and, it kind of fits, you know, it's all kind of, yep. It fits. Yeah. Um, so then he gets, a yeah, he gets, uh, the, the woman, she beheaded her horse and rides off the tier, um, saying calendar was calling him. And that's how we end the chapter with Rand kind of laughing about what he just did and riding off the, t- off the tier. So, yeah. Um, so is Rand going mad yet? <laughs> is he, or is he is the only sane person here? Think about everything that's going on. Everything that's going on right now. We're facing like possible destruction of existence as we know it in the near future. You know, if we don't play our cards right, if the heroes don't hero the shit out of this, Ballsy takes over, Dark One takes over, we're all screwed, right? And yet you got people that still want to farm their farms, 
Yeah, people that still want to goat their goats. People still trying to, you know, run their ends. I mean, come on, people. The people trying to do normal shit in times like these, maybe they're the crazy ones. And maybe Rand is the only one that has his <laughs> shit together. Because every now and then, it's appropriate to freak out. Kind of feel like we're pretty close to freak out time. Seals yeah. are getting broken. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. They're weakening. That's for sure. Yeah. Or at least once we broken. So anything we missed from this chapter? Anything you also want to talk about? Or I miss Loyal. I mean, I know we talked about him for a second, but... I wish, wish we had more of them. I missed them. All right, moving to the chapter 37, Fires of Kyrian. Um, and the icons, the rising sun of Kyrian. Do you want to sing it again? <laughs> no, see, that's the trouble. I really don't. And I was so proud of myself. I was pretty much in tune, not House perfectly, <laughs> but I was close to being in tune. Mm. Anyways, so yeah, House of the Rising Sun. Um I don't know if I want to tell the whole story again. We'll leave that as a patron only thing. So in case you guys are listening, in case you guys are listening to this episode now, I'm going to leave this in right now. I'm not going to edit this out. We were recording this whole session and then I stopped. Actually, we were not recording this whole session. We were talking for like an hour and I was an hour, but almost a whole chapter, almost a whole chapter and realized never hit record. So if you're a patron, you'd listen to us live and get to hear a lot of stuff that's not going to be in this session now. <laughs> so <laughs> join us as a patron. I'll use the plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start this chapter. So Egwene is standing aboard the Blue Crane, um, another one of the boats. Went from the Snow Goose to the Blue Crane um, and looking at Kyrian, and Kyrian is burning. Um, the war, civil war is raging that's now going on because there's a power struggle going on. Um, after the king's been killed and yeah. Um, so burnt villages everywhere and they're feel really bad for all these people that are lives are being torn apart. Ah, you say they feel really bad. <clears throat> uh, and, and maybe, maybe they do, but like, uh, you know, Egwene's pointing out what they're passing by and Nynaeve's taking the whole, uh, if we got any more government workers out there, you know what I'm talking about. She's taking that. I've been with the government for 10 plus years. Uh, I see that there's a fire, but that's not my fire to deal with. So I'm just going to pretend I don't see it and keep on trucking. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she's kind of taking that perspective. Um, and, and Egwene's trying to still show that she has some sort of heart, some sort of give a shit. Um, Although, like, as we're talking about it again for the second time, I also feel that Egwene, the reason she brings it up is because she she knows that they have to continue their mission, but she has to speak it out loud to kind of validate that she's not a horrible person. Like, can we at least talk about the fact that we know we're watching all this horrible stuff as we pass by it and there's nothing we can do about it sort of thing? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. They, they're Chris, struggling with it. Chris, your thoughts? I'm trying to think back to our original conversation, <laughs> but I, I like and inevitably, I think we just kind of determined that, or at least in my mind, I didn't say this earlier, so I'm glad we are going back to it. Um, the girls have matured past the two rivers. Mm. And I say that in the sense that their scope of thought has kind of 
increased. I mean, you have Elaine who hasn't been through as much as Nynaeve and Egwene have been through. I mean, if you think about it, the two river folk that are on this trip have literally faced what they thought was the Lord of Darkness. Like they faced Bialzaman, not once, but twice. So one city burning down really isn't that big of a deal in comparison to the fight that they're inevitably going to come up to, which is the idea of the, the black Aja and the power that they could hold and the potential that they could wield if they were to release greater evils onto the world. So the perspective has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I agree. I think Egwene pointing it out and trying to get them to at least speak it out loud that, you know, recognize that it's going on is because I think Egwene still struggles with it. I, th- I think she totally, there's nothing that's keeping her from focusing on the prize, right? She understands a bigger mission, like what you said. She's matured to that point. But she, I get I get those vibes that she's still the type of character that's never going to totally lose heart. Like, she'll, there's no way to go, oh, it's just a town from her perspective it's just a small battle it's just a couple of people getting hurt when we're going to fight the bigger battle that's gonna have a greater effect like that's still gonna tear at her or at least mm-hmm. it does now maybe she changes i don't know but yeah. as of right now her character's struggling with that yeah um, and ooh, as there, i'll say this though the one nice thing about re-recording this is i had this thought way out of place last time we did this but it fits right now, right? Um, think back, Chris, to Nynaeve when she first catches up with Moraine and Lan, uh, whatever that first town is that they, they're in, they're at the inn, and then they dip out of there. And as they're leaving, the inn's burning down, shit's hitting the fan behind them, and Nynaeve is giving Moraine shit. She's like, Moraine, you you could do something. Go, Why don't you go back and do something and, and fix it? Help them, like how dare you just take advantage of these people and let the inn burn down? And Moraine's like, yeah, true. I could go back there and I could do something and maybe I could do a little help, but how does that help our overall mission? Maybe you all get caught or maybe something worse happens. Like we can't let that little thing derail us from focusing on the big picture. And Nynaeve just thought Moraine was the biggest piece of shit for saying that. Well, now here in this scenario, Egwene's the one trying to talk about how oh, look at all this stuff going on. We should feel bad about it or maybe do something. And Nynaeve is like, nope, we just we can't even think about it. We just can't even look at it. Just stay focused on the mission. We're charging forward. We got shit to do. So mm-hmm. she's definitely transitioned. Uh, kind of like what you said, Chris, they're, they're kind of maturing, seeing, seeing the bigger picture, understanding they can't get bogged down sometimes in the little things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Egwene's on the rail thinking about her dreams um, and can't really make sense of them. She's been visiting Teleronriad every night since leaving Tarvalin. Um, and lots of, I guess, clues are, are different. Uh, don't know if they're visions or anything, but no, there, there's lots of images and clues happening. So uh, kind of run th- down a few of them because um, there's a ton of them they list off. But you know, Rand holding a sword that blazed like the sun. Um, Rand threatened in a dozen different ways. Um, of course, Rand on a stone's board um, with big hands moving moving the uh, the stones. And then with Perrin, Perrin as a wolf, a falcon and a hawk fighting each other. Uh, 
Perrin running from something deadly, Perrin going to a cliff, stepping off, saying, it must be done. I must learn to fly before I reach the bottom. Um, and then uh, the Aiel in the cage, Min spraying the trap, uh, Matt with dice, Matt with illuminator and fireworks, um, white cloaks ravaging the two rivers, the puppets uh, with strings going up in the air. Hmm. Uh, Sean Chen. Yeah, it's lots and lots of stuff. So pick out a few of those. What do you guys think? Just the, just a couple. Well, there's <clears throat> there's two things that jumped out at me. Uh, one, I I remember from the beginning, there was one prediction that I knew came into play here. Couldn't quite remember, but this was it about um, the end of the the end of this series being nothing but a game of stones or everything being settled over a game of stones. And we have her vision here hinting to that, that Rand is part of this game of stones. So, yeah, maybe that's maybe there's still some truth to that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we shall see. Uh, the uh, other thing, well, real quick, like, I mean, I could give my opinion, my guesses at some of these things. There's some that have already happened that are a little bit more obvious, and some that haven't happened yet, and we could speculate. I think what, like, I, I started worrying a little bit that she was thinking about all these things so anxiously, uh, because. Like recently, Egwene, or maybe always, I don't know, but at least recently, she's been this woman of action. Like she doesn't want to just sit around and take other people's orders and direction. She has this conflict with Nynaeve about who's in charge or if they're both in charge. Um, like she, you know, she has this conflict about wanting help Rand, but not being a help Rand. She, she hates feeling helpless. And she's getting these visions of things that have happened that might happen in the future. And I'm worried, excuse me, I'm worried that if she gets a certain vision that sets her off or that she's overly worried about or feels like I have to act on, but she still doesn't know, this isn't like uh, Perrin where she has a guide kind of showing her, you know, the important stuff and what to look at and how to work through this world that she's in. She's just going into this shit raw. Um, and yeah, exactly. And she could be getting it totally wrong. I mean, even the conversation she's having with the other girls, like she, even she feels like, what's the point of knowing all this when I don't know what any of it means, ba 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 ba. So I, I, I don't know. I worry that she's going to see the wrong thing and just have this need to act, to, to go do something, but just have not all the information or wrong information and, there's a risk she causes more harm than good until she figures out how to control this. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, there are definitely things that she's seeing that has already occurred or is occurring, like Rand holding a sword that blazed like the sun till she could hardly see that it was a sword, could hardly make out it was him at all. Uh, again, I think that was metaphorically stated um, we know that Rand is using the one power and wielding it as if it was a sword, but in my mind, it, it kind of um, symbolizes him becoming one with Sidene and really letting himself slip away into that power until he's kind of indistinguishable from the the power itself. And then, of course, Rand threatened by in a dozen ways, none of them the least bit real. It just kind of goes to show him slipping into his madness and her realizing that and not being able to do anything about it. 
And you, you spoke on the him being in the huge stone board. Um, but the, the other part of that that I saw was that there are someone or two someones she thought that much was clear that were, you know, trying to put Rand in danger. And so, like, the question is, is this Bialzaman and Lanfear, or are there other forces at play that we haven't really come into contact with? So we just have this, <clears throat> these questions, like you said, that keep arising. And you're right. We don't know how she's going to use this information or how the information may be used against her. Because at the moment, nobody really knows that she's entering into this world except for Rand. But I have a feeling that Lanfear is going to figure it out. Because, like I said earlier, maybe Lanfear is the queen of the shadows or queen of, not the shadows, but the 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 dream escape. And maybe she created the Ta'angriel and maybe, you know, Egwene's going to slip into yeah. the wrong dream. I, I get the feeling it's going to be hard to escape Lanfear in this world. I, I will say, though, I don't, I don't think Rand knows that it was the real Egwene. Like, I'm hoping they make some connection there. But yeah. Rand was still in his total freakout mode when she came through. I mean, she knows that she ran into Rand. But I don't think Rand really put that together with her yet. So I don't know. I don't know. A whole lot yeah. of craziness happening. I hear you. <clears throat> and then we have her her thoughts on Perrin. Perrin with a wolf, with a falcon, and a hawk. And the falcon and the hawk fighting, a parent running from someone deadly, parent stepping wildly over the edge of a towering cliff while saying, it must be done, I must learn to fly before I reach the bottom. And, you know, I, the thought around that, of course, we have our falcon. Maybe we do have a hawk come. Maybe they are two women fighting for him. Or... Because it just says the Falcon and the Hawk fighting. It could just be two different groups fighting, and he's in the middle of it. We don't we don't know how this is going to work. Um, and he's I, like, "Screw you guys, I'm going home." And he just <laughs> goes off on his own. He's like, "I want to deal with this fighting." Yeah, I'm done. I'm going back y'all, to Tory y'all. Bird women are crazy. <laughs> well, and like we said before, like the idea of you know Hopper flying. Maybe this is Perrin embracing who or what he is and really yeah you know becoming one with yeah. the wolf yeah and then um you know a lot of them are cryptic and some a lot of them are like you said have already we've already kind of determined or at least we can figure it out um you know one of the ones that i think is the one that doesn't really we have i mean there's a couple like whether it's the puppets or things like that but also the illuminator with Matt with the fireworks. Yeah, that's um, new. That's that's new. That's not from any men's viewings. You know, a lot of these are reoccurring from men's viewings. But um, and also men springing the trap uh, and walking through it. That's obviously not from her own viewing. Um. Um, but Matt with fireworks always fascinates me because you know Matt. Well, yeah, because he's always <laughs> and I know E with fireworks. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This might not even be anything too deep, being that it's Matt. Matt could just be walking into a new town and see a cart full of fireworks and look over at Tom and Tom go, don't do it, boy. 
and Matt go, <laughs> prepare to run and just light that shit and run. And maybe that's, you know. And, maybe and then the lady who's in charge, charge of the cart is like, oh, get back here. I'll shoot my warm candles at you. <laughs> like, that's that's very Maddie of him. Which, by the way, if you ever want to play a really fun drinking game. Um, oh, gosh. Ian and I have played this game before. So it's a really, really fun drinking game. So everyone gets a bottle rocket and a beer. And it usually works on a beach because you need a wide open or wide open field. And you, you open your beer up. And you, everybody's a lighter, a bottle rocket, and a beer. So you have to stand in a circle, and then you chug your beer. And you can run while chugging, but you have to chug your beer. And you can't light your bottle rocket until your beer is empty. And once your beer is empty, you can stick your bottle rocket in the bottle, light it, and then point Easy it at someone aim. that's still ch- it's still ch- chugging and try to shoot uh, them uh, with uh, your uh, firework. Uh, uh, <laughs> it makes yeah. people chug really fast. <laughs> I don't. Do you but the remember? whole thing is, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to leave the circle until you're done with your beer. So, right. so you're, you're a target if you. Drink you are slow. a target. If you Everybody's slow. shooting at you. I, I wouldn't know because I was almost always <laughs> the first one to finish my beer, and I had plenty of time to light them off and take. But once out. someone leaves the circle, you should see how fast people start chugging. <laughs> oh yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now is that? I. There's a lot of dumb stuff like that that we just kind of made up. Is that one we made up, or is that one somebody it, else did and we copied? Or I I don't know. We might have made up the game. Uh, we we did make up a lot of dumb shit like that. That might have been one of the ones we made up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun though. Really yeah, yeah. fun drinking game, guys. <laughs> Not necessarily safe, but fun. Nobody <laughs> lost an eye. No, no. I had right. them pop pretty close to me. I had a parent moment where everything got super bright, and I was like. Bleh. Oh, <laughs> yeah best best played in your early 20s or teens uh before you're older enough to know that it's really not a good idea well you need to be flexible like if it's coming at your face last second you need to be able to matrix move and get out of the way and if any parents are listening to this or overhearing us talk to their kids about this we are not condoning this act at all and in fact uh oh yeah you, you'll, these days you'll probably get arrested quickly it, it's a really yeah. bad idea Don't yeah do i did not condone this activity disclaimer right. <laughs> um yeah fireworks are fun um so yeah so and then the last couple of things uh the sean chan showing up the dreams but she dismissed those because she hates sean chan and wants nothing to do with them and her mother and father every night yeah so um at this point elaine joins Egwene on deck or anything else from these dreams and visions you guys want to talk about before we get to elaine that last little bit about the vision with her parents and even her kind of assessing it like, well, that one kind of makes sense because, you know, how much would I just really like to be at home and just feel that safety of being able to go to sleep with, you know, my parents there and knowing that I don't really have anything to worry about, that they're handling all the big stuff for me sort of thing. Like we know, well, I guess I shouldn't say we know that's not going to happen, but that's not likely to happen. That's not a prediction of the future unless we're talking like the very end of this book and after everything's resolved 13 14 books later like she goes back to the end and goes to sleep that'd be cheesy Uh, but it it makes it makes me think and it goes back to me being concerned about how she's interpreting these things and what she ends up doing with this information eventually she's going to act on it like there's no way she has this ability and then does nothing with it um but it seems like her own emotions and desires 
can kind of play into it. So she's not truly going in there just super completely neutral and viewing what, what is and what could be. You know, if she's viewing her back at home at the end with mom and dad, then she's seeing a little bit of what she wants to see versus what is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just that adds that adds to the danger of maybe her assuming that something that she sees is or could be, and then tries to act to stop it or help it right. or whatever. And you know, yeah, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. So Elaine joins Egwene on deck. Um, and uh, shares her thoughts about how she feels horrible about what's happening in Kyrie and, um, and, you know, Andor and Kyrie have had their troubles in the past, but after the Aiel war, they became trading partners at least. And she still feels bad um, uh, about everything going on. And um, at this point, it's also where Egwene kind of has a revelation about the gray man following Matt. And, Matt's in trouble, but there's not much she can do about it. So, yeah. yeah. But before the aha moment, though, I love the um, the the ribbing action towards each other, where Elaine wants to remind Egwene that I'm your princess, and Egwene is just kind of casually like, "The fuck you are!" Like, <clears throat> not in Edmund's field. <laughs> we don't we don't recognize that shit. That's I work for no man. I do what I want. <laughs> I do what I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Egwene still wants to think of it that way and that's just yeah, they're not having it right yeah and they're trying to figure out you know why a grandma would be after matt it doesn't make sense to them um and they keep on lens keeps going back to the letter you know well there's nothing in the letter that would cause them to do that um, um they, they can't put two and two together uh the whole taviran thing so well there's there's the taviran uh and there's aspects of Matt and how he's tied to the horn and what might be residual still from the dagger. And there's so many things about Matt that could be drawn him to it. And, you know, let's be honest, the letter itself. All right, let's back up. What if, what if the Amberlin, her and Amberlin, what if she is shady as bleep and she's bringing in these uh 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 uh, what are they called again black eyes right no Uh, the slick grayman grayman yeah what if she's somehow involved in it what if she is black well we already know who's doing it though if that's the case then that means she's working with biazamon well but what i'm saying is biazamon's let you you let you let him escape we we shouldn't we shouldn't disregard we shouldn't say Clearly, it's not the letter. It's one of these other things that has to do with Matt. It's possible that there's something about that letter, something tied to it, that is drawing it to the letter. But then that would implicate the Amberlin. Right. And that would implicate, that would mean she's working with Biazma. Yeah. Or Lantier. So, or Lantier. Well, I want the other for a second. Or herself. But, mm-hmm. you know, Biazma. One of the other competing she- lieutenants for. The my quite literally just killed another man. Killed a man Mama for letting Matt escape. Just killed a man. Exactly. Put Dude. a gun against his head. Pulled my trigger. Now he's dead. Mama. Mama. Man. They like showed I'm up just... naked in a dream. <laughs> they did too. 
So, but so, mm. so my thought on it all is like, when it comes down to it, the gray men were sent by Bialzaman, who would probably know about the horn. I mean, he's been around for for ages, for eons, for centuries. He's seen the wheel spin multiple times. Yeah, like he knows that he seen it. He seen it. <laughs> he seen it. He saws it. Like. He know horn that Matt blew it. He knows the connection. Why he would want Matt killed because of the horn is beyond me when he doesn't have possession of it. Best thing to do would be to capture Matt if it was about the horn. Yeah, but if he but, kills Matt, it puts the horn back in play. But no, it, but it puts it in the Amaralyn's hands. Yeah, so true. that yeah. I feel you. I think more like it has something to do with the dagger and this whole idea that Matt's still tied to the power of Shaogul and that we hmm. haven't seen the end of this toy. Okay. I just can't help whenever we think about the Amerlin, I can't I can't help but think that something's fishy. Okay. <laughs> hold on. Shh, shh, quiet guys. Let it let it sink into our listeners. Something's fishy. Sounds fishy. Here we go. <laughs> think about it. Yep. Okay. Punny um, need. And indeed. And as they're having this conversation, suddenly the boat runs aground. So that never happens. Yeah. What horrible it never sailors. Happens. Yeah, horrible. And sailors. at night too? Never. <laughs> never. And going so, super fast. Yeah, super, super fast. Yeah. So I, I, I'll say this again. Uh there are two types of sailors that never run aground, ones that never never leave the harbor that aren't real sailors, and damn liars. So um yeah, on damn, so much you always damn liars. Yeah. Damn liars. Damn liars. Um, Alan, we've yeah. been running aground on boats since we were sailing dinghies that have centerboards that are like what? Did they draw yeah. two feet? Yep. yep. And we ran aground with those. <laughs> At least those move, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, from I, the very have, beginning, you run aground. I have so many running aground stories. Um, I mean, one is the Oregon Inlet one. Um, and and that was that's a great that's a great one. Um, so that's when Ian and I were sailing down in the uh, Outer Banks, uh, North Carolina, and there's an inlet there uh, called the Oregon Inlet that the current runs really strong in, and uh, sand sandbars shift daily. Um, the channel so, markers are useless. Yeah, uh, um, literally any any kind of strong tide or storm shifts them a little bit. So mm-hmm. you got to have all the best electronics or really know how to read the waves and everything. It's it, yeah. it's always changing. And, and and we ran aground a few years ago, many many years ago at this point. Um, but yeah, we were we were trying to sail out of Oregon Inlet, and uh, the tide shifted on us, and we couldn't make it. So we turned back in, and um, yeah, took the wrong channel, uh, went back across to the other channel because we it was nighttime at that point, and went aground really bad, really hard, hard, hard. hard we went, so when we when we were trying to go out, we we were going against the tide. Uh, and flashback to previous stories, the reason we were late trying to catch that tide is because we might have hit a bridge. Um, <laughs> we'll save that for another day. But Maybe. so we couldn't make it out because the tide coming in was so strong with with our ability to motor not fast enough. So when we turn around, now we have the tide with us, plus we're motoring. We were going fast. We were, we were fucking humming. Mm-hmm. And we went from, I would say, uh, to the water... With that motor, we can do five knots. Mm-hmm. With the current, you're probably double that. I would say we were at least ten, and mm-hmm. I think 
I'm on the low side there, but at least 10 knots to land. And we went from moving to not moving to not immediately. Moving. <laughs> <laughs> like it was jarring. Uh, yeah. We hit it pretty hard. So it was in there. Yeah. Ian did try to get us off the boat, uh, off, off the, off the, the bar, um, like going in the water and trying to pull the boat over, um, by one of the ropes, but, um, it was shark infested water. So we told him to get out of the water <laughs> Yeah, because we didn't want him to get eaten. Cause that would have been, uh, that, that, that would have been probably worse. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was, I didn't think it through. I was still inebriated. Cause after we hit the bridge, I got really drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I was still recovering from that and I was like, fuck it, give me the halyard and I'm trying to pull it over. And Yeah. Somebody mentioned so, sharks and eventually that clicked. I got back on the boat. So normally like if it's low tide, you run aground and you just wait to high tide. Um, but the problem with this is the tide had just changed. So it had just started running back in. So that means we were at pretty much high tide when we ran aground, meaning that we weren't getting off that thing at all until we got towed. Um, so the next day uh, we got towed off. Um, but normally if you run aground low tide, you know, which happens more often because obviously the tide's low, um, you just wait a couple hours. And- yeah. You get a little bit more water and you could, you could work your way off of it, but exactly. So yeah, um, that was fun. Yeah. Got, got towed off the next day by a towing company. Uh, there's actually is boat towing companies out there. Um, they do exist. Um, we had to call one, um, they give us a free tow, which was kind of cool. Normally they charge. (laughs) That's a whole nother. We'll save that for maybe a bonus episode about how I got a free tow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We did get free. Um, but yeah, so, um, apparently they don't, they don't understand sarcasm. And I kind of told them the status of my bank account at the time. (laughs) And I guess I thought I was joking and pulled us off. You know, you know what, you know what, fuck it. Let's tell the story. So (laughs) I can write you a check. (laughs) So (laughs) fucking worthless. (laughs) Yeah. The the guy pulls us off. He goes to talk and this guy was corrupt as shit. Like, I mean, obviously, so normally when you get towed off, they take your information down, they bill you. Like they don't, they don't expect sailors or boaters to have. Yeah. This is a large towing company. It's not a mom and pop thing. It's not a a corporate entity. It's it's actually a national company. Um, and, um, and they're, they're, they're franchised or whatever. So this guy was trying to make a buck, uh, basically tell his boss that the boat wasn't there anymore and take cash. He was trying to pocket some money. So he pulls his clipboard aside and just puts it down and goes, so here, who here has cash on them? Or like, uh, pull together everything you got on the boat. Yeah. I was like, I was like, we don't have any cash. We it's were like, broke like, as shit. We were at the know, end we were, of our trip. We, we, yeah. we weren't even sure we'd have enough food to make it back home. <laughs> and he's trying to shake us down. <laughs> he's trying to shake us down. And and it goes, I got a checkbook. And he's like, he's like, he's like, I'll take ch-. he's like, he's like, he's like, you got a checkbook? He's like, he's like, what do you say? He said, what did you say? Is like that shit will bounce her. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. it was. It, there was some elasticity joke about how it, how high it'll bounce, and I made something <laughs> funny out of it. And he thought I was yeah. joking, and yeah, he was insisting. He was like, "Yeah, okay, we'll just cut me a check for." And it was like three hundred some dollars, which again, at that time, at our age and everything, seriously, if, if everybody on that <laughs> boat put together the money we had in our bank accounts, we might have had seventy five bucks. <laughs> right yeah. i had pennies uh, in there so i i yeah. started writing the check i was like you do understand i'm writing you this check because that's what you're asking for but it is it is worthless i'm wasting <laughs> ink you're not gonna get anything out of this and uh i i guess he thought i was joking and was hoping to cash it later which he he did try to i, I still got the 15 dollar charge for the bounce check but yeah. <laughs> there was no money in the account there was no money but there. i mean it's yeah 
But like yeah. Alan said, I, I didn't really feel bad about it because if they'd yeah. if they'd build us correctly, you know, maybe could have sweet talked one of my parents to pay it off when the bill came in the mail. But <laughs> he tried to get me to write him a personal check, so I personally wrote him a bad check. Him a bad <laughs> check. <laughs> and that's how we went on about our way. Yeah, and got a little bank fee, and we were good to go. Uh, so, so I paid fifteen dollars to get to get towed off of an island. We were stuck on an island by the time he came out there, and the best thing one, about in like the most treacherous waters you could possibly get stuck in. Yeah, the best thing about it is after he was done, he looked. He goes, "Once you get, he's like, once I leave here, don't call me again. I'm not coming back to get you guys." <laughs> like, we're like, no, the tide's good now. Let's go in the yeah, direction we're, we're we want to go. Right. This is we're, we're good. Foolproof. <laughs> Plus, I'm all out of beer, so, you know. Yeah, we got to get home fast. Um, so, yeah. So, everyone's going. The captain comes aboard, yelling, screaming to everybody, like, you know, yelling at the guy, which I feel kind of bad for that guy, um, you know, because um, obviously, as we said, running the ground happens. Um, especially Not, not just like, that, but who do you, like, do you blame the guy at the helm? Do you blame the guy holding the tiller? At night, shouldn't sometimes. you have somebody? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. let's not talk about me. I blame everybody but me. Are the bridge? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Andrew, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I was half asleep. <laughs> this guy... Let's not bring in my past mistakes. Now's not time for that. <laughs> what I was going to say is, <laughs> not only should you have a guy calling it up on the bow, but I guess the second part would be actually listening to him. Yeah, and not exactly. saying it always looks like that, and then hitting the bridge. But. And sometimes, <laughs> even if you have a gun on the bow calling it, I mean, like, I mean, not so much. So, you, in, even in the bow, you can't see much in these waters that we're talking about. It's really murky, murky. But sure. even and in crystal night, clear, yeah. like Caribbean type water, where you can see down, like reefs will pop out of nowhere. Um, I've sailed in in crystal clear water and literally went from like a thousand feet to two feet in seconds. Um, and yeah, yeah. It's scary. It happens. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, the captain's all pissed off. Um, probably not rightfully so, but the girls are like, all right, well, we got to make a game plan. So how long is it going to take you to get off? And they're kind of arguing about that. Can't figure it out. It's like, well, we can't sit here forever. Where's the closest town? Like, well, there's one down the river on the Kyrian side. It's about, what do they say? About 15 miles, maybe less. Mm-hmm. No, like five miles. I can't remember what There's it was. There's a six mile and there was six miles. And then on the Andor side, it's like even longer further away. Yes. So it's like, all right, well, take us to the Kyrian side. It's like, well, it's dangerous. Like, we haven't seen a single soul on that side. Take us there. And Nynaeve's kind of insistent. Uh, the girls are hesitant. Uh, other girls, Egwene and Elaine. But uh, eventually they, they give in. Hold, hold on. Okay, we'll go back. So, okay, <laughs> very rough summary. And you're hitting, there's points that you're hitting but in such a way that I think it's kind of changing what Jordan was trying to show us here. So let's dig in just a little bit more. Go for it. I would agree that Elaine at this point is like, fuck it. Yeah. Whatever you want to do, Nynaeve, let's do it. Egwene, not so much. And initially the conversation with the crew and figuring out what the options are, it wasn't the captain and all of the girls. This was between Nynaeve and the captain. Because Nynaeve initially made the decision all by herself. And when Egwene and Elaine come along, she's essentially, you know, debating with the captain. And the captain's like, well, uh, you know, you can't just get off here. You shouldn't. And this, that, and the other. And 
Egwene immediately is like, oh, so you decided we're just going to leave. As if to say, so you made that decision all by yourself. You weren't going to talk to us. You just decided this is what we're going to do. Like it was definitely, there was a pissing match between Nynaeve and Egwene here. Um, And, you know, there's the explanation Mark put on that point by Elaine when they finally decide which way, and and they do decide to do what Nynaeve essentially decided on her own. Uh, They all agreed to it because it really was the best plan. Um, But after the fact, even Elaine tells Egwene, we're like, y'all need to, y'all need to stop your fighting or we're effed. We're never going to make it a tier. And Egwene is like, we're going to make it a tier just fine. Just as soon as Nynaeve stops being a duh, 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 and trying to be in charge of it, she ain't no wisdom no more. So like this conflict we're, is building. We're on the same level. Yeah, right, right. We're I both mean, I, looks left and right on the same level. Uh-huh. You know, I really do think the Nynaeve won this one though. Yeah, she did in the end. Yeah, and she wasn't wrong. Her assessment well, was right. I, I take it back. I think Egwene won. Oh, in one sense, it says, "Of course, it's because Egwene challenges that you were thinking of leaving the ship. Do you think it is wise?" So she questioned her, and then she's like, "Of course, it is." Like that's what she started to say, but then she stopped and frowned at her. Egwene returned the frown with a level stare, and Nynaeve went on in a calmer tone, if still a tight one. The captain says it may be an hour before another. She begins to explain herself. Bingo. Yep. Never before yep. has Nynaeve felt like she needed to explain herself to Egwene. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, th- so there's, there's this trend. Every chapter we go in, you see little transitions in our characters, but there's this little shift in. I don't want to say shift in power, but it's a little bit of a shift in power and who's in charge of who. And <laughs> you know, I mentioned it before in one of my half-hearted predictions that um, just as soon as Egwene can claim to be, you know, on the same level as Nynaeve, like there's going to start being conflict there because she's not going to put up with this old, you know, oh, you're the old wisdom, you're still in charge of me sort of thing. So we're definitely seeing that play out. Like Egwene has a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. Whereas, which is funny though, you would think uh, Elaine with her background and being the whole princess and coming from royalty, that she would have more of that chip on her shoulder, like respect my authority. Uh, mm-hmm. But she doesn't really. Egwene well, does that. Egwene is definitely in her place. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but Egwene is definitely trying to let Nynaeve know, be like, hey, moving forward, you're not in charge. We can make these decisions. We can discuss this. Um, you can make a decision, but you still need to fill us in as to why you're making that decision. You're not just going to tell me what to do anymore. Exactly. Um, that with wasn't said, but it was said without being said, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Other than that, your summary was spot on, Alan. Nailed it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so so they get to shore on the Kyrian side, and they're talking about how they haven't seen Sol on that side. And like, oh, it's safe on this side. And, and the chapter ends with them. Literally having this conversation as a figure rises up from the bushes. You know a what's bad? Brown I- and gray rose from the bushes mm-hmm. behind a bush, yeah. standing by itself, almost in front of them. Yeah. And w- what's bad about um, so reading? Not that big of a deal, although you still might catch it. 
but like I was cooking dinner tonight and I was listening to this one more time and it gets to the end of this chapter and then immediately, so it says, a figure in brown and gray rose from behind a bush standing by itself, almost in front of them. Dramatic pause. And then you hear, chapter 38, Maidens of the Spear. (laughs) And I was like, oh shit. You know, I run over to stop it so I don't go any further, but... Obviously, I'm being led to believe this is who they are stumbling upon, and if that is the case, whoa! <laughs> I'm not. Look, I didn't really read ahead. It was literally chapter title, and maybe, maybe Egwene embraced Sidar. Like you know, they she took sure. an offensive posture. That's about as far as I got before hitting pause. I um, saw the word itself, and I was like, "Is this a person or is this a thing?" Oh yeah. Well, so our next chapter yeah. is Made of the Spear. Maidens of the Spear. Yeah, because I hit pause quick enough. Yeah. Well, and it, well, if you're reading it, if you're listening to it at 1.5, it's chapter 38. Maidens of the Spear. The greater of at 1.65. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. So um, yeah, so that's how we end the chapter. So any final thoughts in this chapter? Anything we? we missed again (laughs) no i think we're good yeah we pretty much nailed it okay well favorite characters so we had we had perrin we had lanfear we had ballsy we had hopper i was gonna say i kind of like i kind of like hopper the spiritual guide and and it's really because in that plane to guy like it's a blend between Hopper and Perrin. It's really a tie between Hopper and Perrin for me. He's but a good it, boy. It, yeah, He's a good boy. Good girl, <laughs> isn't it Hopper a girl? No, Hopper's a boy. I thought He's Hopper a was a girl. No, Dapple was the girl. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. She's still He's, good. He's a good boy. He's just a good boy. He's a good boy. Scratchy boy. You know, I gotta give it to Balzi for his uh, Biazma for his dramatic his drama like the dramatic like darkness ebbing and flowing and the mirrors and the i'm gonna pull you all out of your beds while you sleep and i'm gonna kill one of you in front of the other and like the drama <laughs> see i just i wasn't impressed by that literally what he did i did that this morning so today was second monday because yesterday was a holiday so i show up to work tuesday i have multiple construction projects going on I got a call from the Capitol Police this morning that one of my contractors parked in the Speaker of the House's parking spot, and he was actually in today and had to park somewhere else. Like, shit just hit the fan. All these other problems, we had uh, one of the third-floor courthouses just had all sorts of dust from the demo going because they weren't running their HEPA filters. Anyways, so I pulled- went down to the dude's house. Pulled him out of his house naked and killed him. No, 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 no. I, I called a meeting for uh, all of our uh, site superintendents for all of our construction projects today. And we came in the conference room and we were socially distanced and masks and everything. But literally I sat down and I said, I have given you all task. Some of you have accomplished <laughs> them and some of you have not. Like that was literally my meeting this morning. Um, in my mind, I pointed to the one guy that parked in the speaker of the house's parking spot and, you know, vaporized him into like nothingness. But in real life, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're making this difficult for everybody. So I don't know. I mean, I feel you like he was. Yeah. It was just it was just another Tuesday after a holiday for a government employee like that. 
<laughs> he's a so he's sick. a bureaucrat. Let's there you go. Favorite character though. Um since clearly Biazamon's not impressive anymore. Or maybe <laughs> my favorite character is Ian. <laughs> Ian's, I try, all, Ian's always our favorite character. I try to scale it back. I'm only on my I'm only on beer number five. Didn't even finish the sixer. Um I don't know. Nobody was overly impressive in this this go around. I hate to say it that way. Like I do I I take it back. Rand's sword action. And how like oh, instinctually yeah. badass he was, and just like he's become like a mass murderer. I, you know, he's he's lost his shit, but he's still my guy. So yeah, I don't know how I forgot about the scene of him just like, yeah, sure, come around the I campfire, see, like, slice, and just takes her head off before she can. I see like both arms, and then. <laughs> This is better that we can see each other because I can see Chris's hand motions right now. Y'all, all y'all just heard, but Alan and I got to see it, and Chris was Judy chopping everything around him. That's beautiful. My, my favorite character this chapter was myself for not hitting the fucking record button. Oh, yeah. I didn't know we were. I didn't know we were picking clown characters. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> Hey, we still <laughs> no, no. The clown move was we start the chapter over again, and you're like, "Looks like a rising sun." And then you look at me like, "Are you gonna sing?" No, motherfucker, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not singing again. That was a, you had Dance one shot. Dance for me. One shot. <laughs> Remember this to the audience out there. This isn't scripted. It's at least not for me. I know we take a little bit of notes, and I talked to Chris. I don't think you script what you're gonna say. No, I could make a note. Right. There might be one or two points where I'm like, all right, I'm going to try and remember to say this. But it's we read it, and then we just give y'all what we feel as we go through it. We try to make it as raw as possible. So when we have to redo a chapter, and then it feels like you're acting, it is so weird. Yeah. It's super weird. It is. So if I if I if I sing and you don't record it, just don't expect it again. <laughs> it is not is not gonna happen. <laughs> the minute you turn me on to audiobooks, I turn myself off of taking notes. Oh yeah. Well you could drop a highlight on I don't do it as much, but there is there's a couple big things that I'll i I'll at least circle like boom it to to remind me to talk about a point. But yeah. 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 So um next time we're doing two chapters. Uh, Jake will be joining us. So, maidens of the spears, the next chapter, and then threads of the threads in the pattern, which is not a really um, crazy chapter. Title. Jake, um, remind him to hit record, okay, buddy? Yeah, you have to remind me to hit record. <laughs> um, otherwise, I might forget again because it's the second time it's happened. It probably won't be the last time, considering that we've been using Zencaster for like a handful of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> And it's happened twice now. That's too funny. See, I, was, I just got so used to using using the other oh, app or, or the original app we were using, where it just automatically records. Yeah, <sighs> anchor. Yeah, yeah. I just know the minute you say guys, I look down. I'm like, and then Ian goes, "Ready to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ready to record." <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, ready to record? Of course, we're fucking ready. We've been recording for an hour. <laughs> I need you to pull over. I can't pull over anymore. I'm already pulled over. <laughs> I just, I, uh, I was yeah. like, 
No way. <laughs> I was about to say it. He just says it. I'm like, eh, well. And then right. I, I died for a minute. You guys were laughing, and I just went, ah. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, sign us off now. So yeah. how, how we can be found. <laughs> we, we can be found at the Will Reads on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those great places. Uh, the Will Reads at gmail.com is our email address. Feel free to email me. I probably will respond. Um, is that six? Is number six, Ian? That's the sixer right there, That's buddy. The six right there. Um, uh, www.thewheelreads.com uh, just directs you to Nablus' site, thegreatblight.com, because I'm lazy and he has a great webpage for us. So you can check us out there. You can find links there to all of our great places, such as Patreon to support us. And um, supporting us won't help me hit the record button, but it will help us with uh, better equipment and maybe maybe even better editing software. I don't know. There's 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 more stuff I need to buy. So um, uh, plus we do giveaways. Um, if you haven't found that out yet, we do giveaways all the time. Um, there'll be one coming at least next month. Um, and then also with the giveaways, we usually give away our merch, which you can find links to our merch there on our website as well. Um, buy all of our cool merchandise, T-shirts. Frosty mugs. Ian's drinking out of one of them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, shot glasses, all sorts of fun stuff. Beanies. Um, yeah, we, we, we got merch. It's cool. Go buy some. Um, and yeah, um, like us, subscribe, share us with your friends. Oh, Discord. Why, why am I not mentioning Discord? Yeah, one more time. Discord, join it. Next month, I will be doing a giveaway for Discord members only. So if you're not a member of our Discord, you're not eligible. So come join Discord. It's free. I'm allowed to do that because um, it's free. Um, I can't require you to become a Patreon for a giveaway because that's illegal. That's like running a lottery because I mean, that's a monetary thing. But Discord, I can. So yeah, join Discord. Um, great place to hang out with us. Uh, talk. We have lots of channels, lots of different things. We we like to share memes and and non Wheel of Time stuff on there, as well as talk about Wheel of Time and um, Cosmere, our other books. So yeah, join it. It's fun. So anyway, that's all I got for this week. How about you guys? Until next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.